On this edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, we catch up with former Magic point guard and NC State legend Chris Corciani. He spent three seasons in the NBA, two of them with the Orlando Magic. And four years at NC State, he was the all-time NCAA assist leader when he graduated and led the nation in assists in the 90-91 season. Went on to play eight seasons overseas. We get into his time in Orlando, his relationship with Jeff Turner and Scott Skiles, a couple of big games that he got in and big moments that he had as a member of the Orlando Magic. And then he played for legendary Jim Valvano at NC State, and he touches on some of his memories there as a member of the Wolfpack. And his time overseas, his travels in the point guard position now, how much it has changed since he manned that position in the late 80s and early 90s. So much to get to with Chris Corciani. And, of course, remember on Pod Squad, the Florida Department of Transportation reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. Have a great night and drive safe. Terrific memories as we catch up with Chris Corciani on Magic Pod Squad. This is Jalen Suggs of the Orlando Magic. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. This is Cole Anthony. This is Fonz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. And this is the Pod Squad. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Dante Marcatelli, George Galante, David Steele, and Jeff Turner. And we are pleased to be joined by former Magic point guard Chris Corciani. Kind enough to join us. Three NBA seasons, eight seasons overseas, an NC State legend. But most importantly, Chris, George Galante and myself are just more excited to have a fellow Paisan on the show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> we are. That was very... the first thing my wife said to me this morning, Dante. She said, Who are we having on the pod squad? I said, yes. Chris Corciani. She goes, Ooh, an Italian. And I went, That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. We're excited to catch up with you. I know Magic fans are as well, but. I guess, Chris, just kind of take us back to, to your time here in Orlando, that, that, that year and a half, 91, 92, uh, that you were here. Some special memories for you. Uh, lo- love to hear your thoughts on, on kind of your first couple of years here. Yeah, the, the, though it was short, it was, it was very memorable. And uh, I was drafted uh, in the second round, the 36th pick, and I knew it was going to be difficult. They had um, three point guards that were, were all uh, fully guaranteed, uh, Moreland Wiley, Scott Skiles and Sam Vincent. And, and I went to training camp and I really, I mean, to be honest with you, I had a horrible training camp. Everything was moving so fast. And I try to tell people when you go from middle school to high school and high school to college and it, until the game slows down, it's, it's difficult. And I um, just didn't, didn't play well in preseason. And I remember uh, Matty Gook is calling me in and saying, listen, I appreciate all your effort and everything you did, um, you know, but we're going we're gonna to have to let you go. And uh, at that point, I, I stopped and I said, Coach Gukas, w- what do I have to do in order to, to play in this league? You know, give me, give me some insight. I really want to work hard. And um, he told me, he said, you know, no one that I've ever released has kind of taken that approach. You know, boy, you know, this is – he gave me a long list of things. You, you, you're too slow. You can't shoot. <laughs> You know, but I, I that doesn't sound like Matt. That doesn't sound like Matty at all. <laughs> Not at all. No, I, I played for him for uh, four years and he said the same thing to me. <laughs> <in the very laughs> well, 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 Jeff, you were, you were slow, but you could shoot though. That's the difference. I had, yes, right. I had two, two strikes against me. Six, nine <laughs> helped too. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's exactly. true. So I went back and I played um, with the Wally Bullfrogs. It was a minor league team and, right. um, you know, I really was enjoying name. it. 
and, and had a good time. And then all of a sudden it was funny. I got a phone call from my agent and he said, listen, you know, you, you're being called up by the Orlando magic. And not only are you being called up, you're going to start your first NBA game. And I, I wow. honestly thought, I thought it was a prank. I was like, There's, this, this can't be true. So I ended up flying out to, to Denver and I met, met the team out there. And I remember getting off the, the plane and, and I had to go right to McNichols arena. And when I got there, um, they didn't tell me where to go. So I tried to go in the, the, the front door where all the fans are trying to get in. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden they're saying, listen, there's this, there's this short little guy. He says he's playing in the game tonight. We, we need to get security down here. This guy's nuts. And so I finally got in and, um, you know, they, that they, they said, listen, we're just going to run a couple plays. We're going to go pick and roll here. And, you know, throw the ball to the wing and bury yourself in the corner. So um, ended up starting my, my first NBA game. Um, my, my only start of my career was my first uh, game. And uh, it was just a wonderful experience uh, from there forward. Um, you know, I had, I had great mentors, you know, uh, Jeff and Scott, Mark Akers. Um, you know, it was really, really fun when you had veterans take you underneath the wing and, um, it was a very, very wonderful experience for me. Chris, can I step in here? Because, you know, two guys on this stage, right? I got to set the stage. I mean, this, because, you know, this is my 33rd year. Chris Cortiani, what he did that day, you know, there's probably 2,500 games I've done. There's maybe 15 that I remember. I mean, really remember. And this is one of them because of what Chris was just talking about. Um, it's just vivid memories. The team was beat up, um, had, I think, seven available players because of all the injuries. The week before Chris signed, the team signed Stephen Thompson, who played, I think, one game for the Magic and then was gone. And Anthony Bowie, who wound up having a really nice career in Orlando. And that was just to have eight guys available. And then they, they had released Moreland Wiley. So Skiles and Vincent were both injured. And they bring Chris in. And, you know, I knew Chris from uh, Hialeah, Miami Lakes. Dante, you didn't mention he's two-time Mr. Basketball in high school in the state of Florida. One of the the best high school players in the history of the state of Florida. So I knew about Chris because I had been at Florida. Norm Sloan tried to recruit him. And um, I've I've heard Norm's stories, uh, you know, about how close he came. And you can (laughs) verify that or not to getting Chris Cortina. But I knew all about Chris. So he comes in and in this game, we had lost 15 straight, all right? So we're looking at setting an NBA record for the most consecutive losses because we got seven or eight guys. Now we got Chris coming in who hasn't played a, you know, an NBA game, and he's in our starting lineup, and it, it doesn't look very good. Well, this, this game in Denver, we, uh, we're right there at the end. Do you remember this, Chris and Jeff? You were at the free throw line, JT. We were down four. You made a free throw to cut it to three. And then you intentionally missed the second free throw. Somehow the ball got kicked out to Chris. Chris, do you remember this at the top of the arc? You shot a ball, and I thought it was a three. I remember yeah, broadcasting. I, I, I thought the game was tied, but your toe was on the line. Oh, no kidding. That, 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 and yeah, I, only gave him two, and we lost the game by, I think they hit an, oh, by the way, free throw at the end. But, um, you know, it was a memorable game. It was a memorable scenario. Chris almost hit the shot in his first game. That great. Would have sent it to overtime. JT, you played all 48 minutes. I looked that up. You never came out of that game. He didn't and foul I out. Think, did not foul out. <laughs> a really nice game. That's nice. Go, JT. It, awesome. It's just, you know, uh, it's just you know a, when there's a great only story. So, 
when there's only so many players, right, and you know they can't take you out, yeah, you're not taking any of those hard fouls you would normally <laughs> take, right? Yeah, yeah, Jeff, you know, now you're big time, right? Jeff was a uh, smart player. He knew, he knew he was getting a lot of minutes, which means he was going to get a lot of shots. So, yeah, uh, that's right. No silly fouls. But it's funny, David, I, you know, as I've gotten older, my memory, I don't, I don't remember anything, but I, I vividly remember that, that game and, and late in the game, kind of making it and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, and, and then only getting the, the two because my foot was on the line. David, I, my recollection, David, though, is had had A.B., had Anthony Bowie and Stevie Thompson had not played in a game, right? They That was their first game as I well. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, think about arrived. that, guys. We've got three guys coming in um, yeah. Yeah. that really had not played for us, and they were part of the eight um, I, I, one thing, Chris, that I remember is you, you talked about, we're just going to keep it, you know, Maddie said, we'll keep it simple and we'll run some things. I remember at the shoot around after we had gone through our stuff and everything, you and I stayed, uh, a little bit longer. And I think Skiles was there too. And just talking about, you know, wing pick and roll, you know, Skiles, you know, taking us through it. JT's going to set the screen. Here's what you're looking for coming off. And we just did that over and over and over. Um, and, you know, that was one of our – that's one of the things that we ran. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, pick and pop, not pick and roll. It's JT we're talking about. <laughs> I, I don't roll. roll. Popper. I pop. Not a roll. <laughs> I don't I, I, it didn't take me long to realize you weren't rolling to the bucket. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned Skiles being a good mentor. I would think Skiles could – as knowledgeable as he is, I could, I would think he could be hard on, on younger guys too, but w- was there a balance? What, what was it like learning you know, from Skiles it, it, and also getting to know him? I, I didn't know what to expect. I always had a great uh, respect for Scott, you know, when he was in college and in, in the NBA and he, he was actually one of my favorite players prior to even getting to the magic. And when I got there, I, I didn't know what to expect. And, and he, he really took me under his wing and, and he helped me and mentored me and, um, you know, he was a real student of the game. I mean, he, he would tell me tendencies of all the players. And um, I, w- I was impressed with, with how smart and how much uh, work he did off the court in order to prepare. But, um, you know, he, he was so very helpful, um, you know, just, to, you know, I don't think he was threatened by me, which is a good thing. So he was <laughs> just always there, uh, you know, trying, trying to get, give me a hand. Chris, what made the game finally slow down for you? You said that was a big problem when you first, you know, got to camp and, and, and so forth. What, what made the game finally start to slow down for you and you, and you to feel comfortable? You know, I, I ended up settling into a nice role. And, and that's the one thing, you know, when I think of um, Matty Gukas is, you know, I, I played in every game that, that I ever dressed with the Magic, but I, I knew I was only going to play, you know, eight to 15 minutes a game and, and I, I had a role, you know, when I went in, I, I tried to pick up and create tempo. And um, I think they kept things very simple for me. And, um, you know, that that's what kind of slowed the game down. And, and I knew exactly what I was going to do each night. You know, I wasn't going to play 30 minutes and they weren't looking for me to, uh, you know, come in and score. It, it was more really playing to my strengths and, um, you know, like I said, it was it, it, it was good. We had a, a good little run there for a while and a very enjoyable.
Yeah, you so, got in that game that we broke that uh, broke the losing streak. You played in that that game at Seattle, I, I recall. I, I think Vincent. I know Vincent was back because Sam won, basically won the game for us to break the seventeen game losing streak. I think he shot eighteen free throws that night. But you were you were there for that one as well. A couple of nights later. Yeah, there was there was a, a you know a number of games that kind of come to mind, and I remember I I think it may have been in my second year when the Orlando Magic. I don't believe had had ever beaten the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. And uh, we went there and uh, I remember late, late in that game, I hadn't played a whole lot and I got put in um, in the fourth quarter and we were, it was tie score with about 20 seconds to go. And um, for whatever reason I was in the game and um, with about eight seconds, the ball ended up in my hands and I drove to the bucket and I got fouled with three seconds and, and it was tie score. And I stepped up and made both free throws to go up two. And I remember, you know, they called a timeout. And I was like, please let, let the game man just like, you know, I, 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 you know, I know my career is not going to be long, but this will be something special to uh, hang my hat on. And I remember the ball came into uh, Scotty Pippen and he shot, uh, you know, a desperation shot right around half court. And to me, the ball, took about a day and a half to get there and I was just praying all the way along and it kind of ricocheted off and that was the that was the first time that uh I believe the magic had ever won you know in Chicago so that was a fun night as well I was gonna say Dante George just for uh I guess context Chris yeah our new coaching staff uh led by Jamal Mosley they they, they have a bell in the practice uh, facility, and uh, they ring that bell when guys make uh, winning plays, taking charges, you know, uh, the extra pass, just, you know, the, those hustle plays and everything. So just for, you know, for Dante and George, if Chris was on the team, if we had a bell back then, it would be ringing quite a bit. You know, that's, that's non-stop, really, that's non-stop ringing, non-stop yeah, yeah, ringing, yeah. because that's just, you know, that's just the way he played. He, you know, yeah. he made those kind of plays. So yeah, well, I appreciate that, Jeff. That, you know, <laughs> again, you know, knowing your talents and what you're capable of doing. Um, you know, I just tried to do whatever I could to help the team win. Um, and, and a lot of times that was just hustling and trying to take a charge and, Knowing not to, not to take up the any shots for the other four guys out there. Now, Chris, what? you're very, very humble. He, you know, he had a, over a thousand assists. He's yeah. he, he's he's talking like he's talking he like he's right. exactly. yeah. yeah, he's talking like he was he's, the, is basically he was the talking. NCAA leader in assist right. when he left all time when he left North Carolina State. So. Uh, it's okay, Chris, uh, to be <laughs> humble there. We we appreciate that. But you were you were a terrific terrific basketball player, and then. After the NBA, you spent eight years in Europe and had a really nice career overseas. You and your wife traveled and saw the world, and um, that must have been a great experience, too. It really was. You know, I spent three years in Italy, three in Spain, one in Germany, and and one in Turkey. In in Turkey, um, we ended up adopting a a street kid that that, uh, lived there. He was 10 years old, and all we did was was work in a what they call a buffet. It's like a little store downstairs, and we we got to know him. And um, he didn't go to school or didn't do anything, and um, we adopted him. So I went over there for eight years and played and brought back 
brought back a kid with me. So don't gloss over that either. Cause I was going to bring that up. I had read yeah. the story about it. How does that come about? How does that has to be a long conversation between you and your yeah, wife yeah, and, it, and obviously it, it, him. Was, it was interesting. He was a, a kid that didn't speak any English and worked every day. I mean, wore the same clothes every day and, um, he had a family, but they had put up two of their other kids uh, for adoption. They just had, you know, they weren't in a very good financial position. And, and the goal was to take them with us to Italy the following year. And we, we were going to teach him English for three months. And, and then he could go back to Turkey and get a, you know, a much better job, you know, being bilingual. And after three months, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to leave. And I said, listen, I didn't sign up for, I signed up for the three months. I didn't sign up for the, for the long-term deal, but um, I lost that battle and he um, we ended up adopting him. He stayed with us overseas. We put him through, you know, school while, while we were there. And uh, now he's back in Raleigh and, and, and doing well. That's amazing. Amazing story. That's a great story. Really, really good story. Now, now your other your sons too. They they are playing college or have played college ball, including uh, Chris Junior went to NC State. H- how did he get the thirteen off the ra- out of the rafters though? That, that- <laughs> well, well, interesting enough, at, at NC State we've got about fifteen jerseys that are uh, in the rafters, and I'm fortunate enough to be one of those. But we we have of those fifteen, fourteen are honored jerseys, and there's only one retired, and that's David Thompson. They, they set the bar extremely high get your jersey retired. You have to win a national championship and be player of the year. And, and that's something David Thompson did back in 74. But um, so my son played there for, for four years. and uh, It was a great experience. My second son went to the University of South Carolina and walked on there uh, with Frank Martin. And uh, Frank and I grew up together in Miami, so I had I've, I've always had a, a great relationship with Frank. And um, you know, they just enjoyed being around the game. And, um, my son at South Carolina that that's the one you really need to have on the podcast because the stories he can tell you about Frank Martin <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe. But um, yeah, so they they've had a nice career um, with that. Um, I have a daughter that goes to the University of Alabama, and then my youngest son is a senior in high school. You played on some incredible NC State teams, the team that should have won the championship in 1989, but we won't go down that road. But but you played for the with the great teammates that you played with, and Charles Shackelford and Gugliotta and Vinny Del Negro, all led by Jimmy V. I mean, playing for Jimmy V. Must have been a thrill and an honor for you, Chris. Well, what can you tell us about your experience with him? I tell you, he was he was just so special. You know, he he had you know obviously charisma. And, uh, he was on the cutting edge of everything. This was back when you know a lot of coaches didn't have any endorsements, and you know he kind of led that charge. He was you know he was on Johnny Carson. You know, this was well before any coaches were on any talk shows, and uh, but just being around him. Um, you know, what was amazing. He was the kind of guy that, you know, you see certain guys that walk into a room and they, they try to capture everybody's attention. And Jimmy V just had a knack. You know, he had an infectious laugh. He was a great storyteller. Um, and, and I truly feel he was an underrated coach. You know, he, 
would always change defenses. And, um, you know, our preparation probably wasn't as good because he was so busy doing so many other things on the outside, but you got him in a game and his saying was, if, if, if you keep it close in the last four minutes, you know, I'll win the game for you. And <laughs> you ended up believing in everything that he said. And, uh, you know, I guess the, the, the biggest thing about Jimmy V is, you know, people know about his flair and his charisma, but he was the most intelligent person that I w- ever, ever was around. Um, he knew a little bit about Shakespeare and, you know, all the different wars and the stock market and opera. He, he was so well-rounded and versed on so many different areas. And, and that's the thing that, you know, his life was cut short that, that a lot of people didn't get to see just how special he was outside of basketball. And, um, you know, his legacy now is probably bigger than it was while he was living. And, um, you know, I, I just feel very honored that basketball has been so special to me and it's put me in front of so many people. And, you know, having the opportunity to play for Jimmy B was was probably the best uh, experience that basketball gave me. That's great. Now you grew up in a in a in a family of basketball coaches and players. Your father, right, was your high school coach at Miami Hialeah Lakes, and uh, had a, a tremendous record there. How how did you not wind up, Chris? Uh, I I, I want to ask you. We want to get into what you're doing now, but how did you wind up not making a career out of the game of basketball in coaching or or in some other form? Well, you know, first of all, I always say is you know when I finished playing basketball coaches weren't making a whole lot of money. If I would have known how much money they're making, now, <laughs> I, I would have at least tried that lane. Um, no, the, when, when I finished playing, you know, I, I, again, played two years in Orlando and one with, with the Celtics and then eight. I had played 11 years and, and I was really traveling every year. You know, I wasn't fortunate enough to be like Jeff Turner, who was in one place for a long time, but um, it, I was ready to settle down and, and I had an opportunity to uh, be an assistant coach for Eddie Biedenbach at um, UNC Asheville right away. And, and I, I wanted to get into business and I wanted my kids to, to kind of have roots in, in one place. And I knew that if I got into coaching, I was going to be, you know, a couple of years as an assistant here and there. And, and, you know, I, I basically did that for 11 years. So I just kind of planted my roots in, in Raleigh and, um, you know, I've, I've just enjoyed Raleigh being around the, the, the school and, and, you know, kind of led my way in, into the business world. I don't blame you. I think that's a good move. If I was Chris Corciani, I'd be as close to Raleigh as possible, too. I, I think that's a – you can't go – I would imagine tremendous – Do you even pay – do you pay for a meal in town, Chris? Do exactly. You pay? It, it, it's funny, George, the – you know, years ago I didn't, but the older you get, they, they, <laughs> you know, they, a lot of these they tend to forget. It's the stuff, damn so. millennials, Chris. I tell you, that's what Come happens. on. That's, they don't, the, they not forgetting fire and ice back <laughs> in uh, no way. Come on now. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Rodney Monroe, right? Was it Rodney yeah. Monroe? It was yeah. Rodney. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I stay in touch with him. Uh, Rodney sends Tom Gugliotta and I a, a text every day with a prayer. So it's kind of our way of staying in touch. I, I joke and, and I say he probably knows I need it a whole lot. So he does it every day. <laughs> How is it watching your kids play? It's got, do, do you find yourself, I'm always fascinated if you're up and vocal and really into it or you sit back reserved or what, what's your vantage point when you're watching your kids play? You know, Dante, I, I, 
I've never enjoyed it. You know, and, okay, and okay. I just never enjoyed it, and and I was the the father that sat back, didn't say a word. Um, you know, even after the games, um, you know, if they wanted to talk about it, I talked about it. Um, you know, but being in Raleigh, um, you know, they had a lot of pressure on them, and people would say, you know, are are you like your father? And so I really tried to kind of downplay all that, and, and always supportive, always there for them, but like to kind of be in the background, um, you know, with that. And, and I got so nervous that it really wasn't enjoyable because I wanted them to do so well. And, and, and they were, you know, very nice players, you know, especially at the high school level. But um, no, I was not one of those vocal uh, fathers that was, was uh, you know, getting on them or getting on the coach. You know, I, I really tried to take a back seat there. So you, well, you should have done what I did, Chris. My, my girls, uh, they, they refused to play basketball uh, for that very reason. And, but they, so they got into soccer and volleyball, which was great because I had no clue what was happening in the game. Everything. <laughs> so if you don't know what's going on, you can't get nervous about it, right? You just, right, that, uh, worked, that worked out well. Yeah, they were yeah. like, we're going to pick a sport dad doesn't know anything about. <laughs> exactly. Smart girl. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right, girl. Well, so what are stuff. you doing now, Chris? Yeah, what are you what doing is, now, Chris? What are you involved um, with now? Well, I got into real estate right when I was finishing playing and um, ended up, I was at an NC State basketball game and a guy came up to me at halftime and, and uh, tapped me on my shoulder and he said, how would you like to buy a mortgage company? And I turned to him and I said, I'm at the concession stand. I, I want to buy a hot dog right now. Not a mortgage <laughs> company. I ended up, ended up, um, buying his mortgage company. And I, I ran that for, for eight years and sold it um, about six years ago. Uh, but I had a title insurance company that was running alongside the mortgage company. And uh, two weeks ago, I just sold that uh, title insurance company. Um, I've got to work for three more years. But so I've been in the, the real estate kind of world, um, you know, in, in the North Carolina area. See, Dante, That's I would great. think that would be if, if I bought it, if I lived in Raleigh and I bought a house from Chris Corciani, I'd be telling everybody. I, I, exactly. Exactly right. Amazing. You know, I, I, I've told a lot of players and NC State's been great to me. and They allow me to come back and and, and, and talk to the team. And, and I try to tell those guys that that their biggest opportunity is staying in the area because they're known, you know, in basketball, even if you're not a, you know, a, a, a starter. In, in the Carolinas, it's it's a craze. Everybody loves, you know, Carolina Duke or NC State. And, and I say your best opportunity is staying in the area. Don't go back to Vicksburg, Mississippi, where there's not a lot going on. And and it's it's been fun to see some of the younger NC State players that have gotten into business. And, and I love mentoring them and helping them. Um, but, yeah, it, it, there is some advantages and perks to – playing there and, and taking advantage of, of your name. And, um, you know, I wish that I had that NIL stuff, you know, <laughs> yes. doubt. Day, but, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a great experience being there. What are your thoughts you on the, the state of the game today? Yeah. I was going to say, do you and keep Jeff up with the NBA game? Do you, uh -huh. do you watch it? And what are your thoughts? I know on you're a big college play? fan, right? Yeah. yeah big I, college I, I, college fan. I, I love I, I love college and, and uh, obviously I go to all the NC State games um the the and I'm a big NBA fan and and uh you know my I'm a huge magic fan 
you know, I, I um, you know, I had such a great experience in, in Orlando and, and, and the opportunity that they, they gave me. So I'm, I'm a huge Magic fan. Um, you know, the college game, I, it's, it's different. The, the, the kids nowadays, um, you know, they're pampered at such a young age. So but when they get there, it's, it's, it's different. Um, but the game, you know, it's obviously changed. There's, there's great athletes. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was a six-foot point guard. And, and you look at a lot of rosters now, you know, on the collegiate level, you know, the point guards now are six, three, and they're great scorers and they're playing above the rim. So the game I think has really changed, you know, from 35 years ago and, um, you know, just great athletes, you know, and, and, uh, uh, but it's still a, a fun game. I still love the NCAA tournament with the, you know, you, you lose and you're done. And, um, but you know, the NBA is fun. It, it, it's fun seeing the younger players transition and, uh, you know, take over, take over the league. So it's been, it's been a good experience. As Chris great knows. as you were in high school, um, can you imagine uh, playing at a time when, when there's the social media, Twitter, oh. the, you know, I mean, can you imagine if two-time, <clears throat> two-time Mr. Basketball in the state of Florida in the, in a world of social media would have been insane for you? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, Again, you know, not not having that, I, I'm I'm happy and blessed because I mean, there's so many distractions now for these kids, and um, you know, I I remember, you know, you, we would read the paper, and that was kind of everything. Yeah. You know, the, the Orlando Sentinel would kind of tell you how you were doing, but you know, <laughs> these kids nowadays with uh, you know social media and and the ones that are 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 reading it, you know, they're getting bogged down whether somebody's saying they're they're doing great or not or um, it's just a, a, another distraction that I'm thrilled that I didn't have to put up with, you know, back in the day. You know, and I got to think, Chris, when you were on the bus trips, right? I got, weren't you talking and telling stories? Now everybody's on their phones, right? Yeah. And you got, a lot of that, think about, right? I imagine you guys told some great stories sitting on, then you get Shaquille O'Neal, right? You're listening, you're laughing. I, I imagine there were some great bonds that were built with your teammates without social media. Yeah, no, no question. I remember playing cards, you know, on the bus. I forget what game it was called, but David and Jeff and, and liars poker. Going. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, a lot of liars <laughs> poker. Hopefully, you guys are still playing that a little bit. But uh, we gave it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was a Bobby Weiss introduced that to the group, and uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that caught fire, and we played a lot of that back yeah, in the day. I, I do remember that. I, I remember being on the losing end of that quite a bit, but. <laughs> But uh, no, it, it, Acres that, was, was the worst. Liar. Not as much as Acres, though. <laughs> Acres was the worst liar. Speaking of Acres, you know, one, one of my my most memorable kind of memories of, of of the Orlando Magic was going on road trips, and and I was I was the rookie. I think Jeff and, and Scott they they called me Rook. I don't even know if they really knew my name. But, uh, the, the beauty, the beauty. Jeff of didn't. That, just so you know, Jeff didn't today either. I So we would go on these um, road trips, and we'd get to a city, and and Jeff, Scott, Mark, um, you know, some of the other folks, we'd we'd go out to these nice restaurants, and again, I didn't, I didn't have two nickels to rub together, and and my job was to get the cab. This is before Uber. So we'd be in the restaurant. The bill would come. They would all take care of it for me. But That's Rook cool. had to go get the cab. So if we were in Milwaukee, I'd be out there in the 10 degrees weather trying to hail a cab. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have to pay for the meal. They always picked up my meal. So 
That's that awesome. Memorable, memorable moments of, of uh, going out and, and uh, being around those guys. I think when you, I think because you joined us mid-season, we, you really didn't have to sing or anything like that, did you? I don't remember I don't, uh, too much hazing going on other than the cab rides. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember too much hazing, but yeah, the cab rides, that, that's what I, and I always, I always hoped that they were going to pick a restaurant that was close to the hotel, so that was <laughs> more expensive than the meal. But, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, now we have to pay for Jeff's meal and get the cap. That's, that's right. how. That's the deal. Yeah. That's yeah, the deal Jeff, that he has. Jeff, Jeff was always one of those guys, just always able to figure it out. There was always yes. a, a, an angle away, <laughs> but <laughs> he hadn't changed. I always, I always tell people I made good money while I was playing, and I still got it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can believe that. <laughs> I still got it all. Now, I got to imagine, Chris, I, my wife and I went to Italy for our one-year anniversary, and they saw the name Marcatelli. They started speaking Italian, and they were crushed when I didn't know the language. Right? So I, <laughs> I imagine, did you pick it up pretty quickly? And I imagine a Corciani playing in Italy was pretty popular. I was fortunate um, in high school, instead of taking Spanish or French, I took Italian. So I, I had a good little background um, with that. My, um, my great-grandparents spoke Italian in the house, and so I picked up that um, as well. So when, when I went over there, um, it did come very easily to me. Um, you know, unfortunately, I went from Italy to Spain, and then I picked right. up Spanish. So... Um, now when I go over there, it's, it's kind of a, a mixture between Italian and Spanish, but, but like Jeff said, I, I know enough to kind of be able to order food and get around. So that's, that's been, um, that's been good. I ended up getting my Italian, um, citizenship and, and that was very, nice. Nice. where I had dual, uh, citizenship. So when I went over there after a couple of years, I was able to play as a, uh, Italian player, and I didn't take up one of the two spots that was filled by the Americans. So it really gave me a little bit of longevity uh, over there playing. Now that's all changed. It's just completely open, and you know a lot of teams are made up of, of many many players from different uh, different countries. What what city were you in over there, Chris? I was in the, I was in Siena. Uh, I was in Treviso. Actually played with uh, Tony Kukoc before he came to the Bulls, and um, you know my story there with with Tony was he was so excited and he wanted to get to Chicago and and he was chomping at the bit and we were playing uh, Kinder Bologna in the championship and the way a lot of contracts are structured over in in Europe is you you do have a base salary but but you, it's very incentive laden and and if we would have won the championship it was going to be more than my whole kind of year of salary and, and Tony didn't want to play and Tony <laughs> checked out and, and we ended up, you know, losing the first couple of games. And I said, Tony, listen, I, I know you want to get to Chicago, but you know, I got a lot of money riding on this and I got a fan. <laughs> yeah. Ended up winning the next two games and he was miserable and didn't want to be there. And we got beaten the third and he left on the first flight in the morning. To Chicago. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Chris, oh, I remember Daryl Daryl Armstrong uh, played overseas before he he arrived with the Magic. I, I remember one story he tells about a game in Greece. I think it might have been the last game he played there, and somebody set the building on fire, and you know there was smoke <laughs> everywhere, and just the crowds were just crazy. Did you have any crazy 
incidents like that playing uh, in Europe at that time? Absolutely. It's, it's barbaric. I mean, a lot of people, <laughs> I mean, it's, when I was in uh, Turkey, I played for a team called FS Pilsen and, and I didn't realize the history between the Turks and the Greeks. And, and so when a Turkish team plays a Greek team, it's much more than a basketball game. It's going back in years and family members have been killed in wars and um, you, you play and they're constantly throwing things you know, at you during the game. And, and, wow. and I, I was trying to tell them, listen, I'm, I'm an American. I'm not, <laughs> not happened to be playing for the enemy, but it, it, it really is, um, you know, there, there's times where it's very dangerous, you know, the things they throw and, um, you know, those, those games, again, it's, it, it's very deep rooted. I've got a quick story about Daryl Armstrong. Daryl was on the Raleigh Bullfrogs with me, um, you know, before I got caught up with the magic and, and Monty Tao was the head coach and, and Monty Tao tells this story better than anyone, but I was the, the, the local hero that went to NC state and, you know, in Raleigh in order to sell a few tickets, I had to play. And, and Daryl kept going to Monty. He was my backup point guard saying, why am I getting no playing time? And, and Monty said it was the most difficult thing to tell him, listen, you know, wait your turn, you know, this and that. He said, Daryl was so much better than me, but I was playing 48 minutes. And he said, it was very, very hard to tell this guy, wow. listen, you know, Chris is playing well. And he said, I wasn't even no comparison who was better, but I had to play you. So it was funny. And it, to think that he was my backup and then had a you know amazing career you know uh, many years with the magic wow i had never I heard that, that either. i didn't either that is, I, that's that wonderful awesome. what we know about daryl i bet he made your life miserable in practice uh, didn't he <laughs> you know I, I i say the one thing i could do is kind of get the ball up the court yeah. and there's two players that that i could never get the ball up the court against and one was daryl armstrong and the other was muggsy Bogues. And, and it was just a nightmare. And I, that was the one thing I took pride on. Listen, I can, I can figure it out and get the ball up the half court and get a team in, in, in the set. But those two, um, you know, were just amazing. I remember playing Charlotte and, um, you know, Coach Gukas said, listen, give the ball to Nick Anderson. Let, let him bring it up when you're in the game. <laughs> <'Cause Muggins laughs> <is right there. laughs> That's awesome. fantastic. Daryl was with... a North Carolina guy, too. Now yeah. Daryl was a Gastonia, yeah. North Carolina Fayetteville State. Yeah. Did you play with Luis Scola too? Did you win a, a, a championship with him? I think about that. He's still playing. I mean, that, you must be absolutely amazed by that. What, what do you remember about him? When, when I was in Spain, we had a we had a tremendous team. Um, you know, Luis Scola was, was about an eighteen year old, but just a tremendous talent. Uh, Fabricio Alberto, who ended up playing with the San Antonio Spurs for a number of years, was on the team, and Andres Nicioni. Played you know a number of years you know the, yeah. those were all, the you know they were they were eighteen nineteen years old and um, we ended up winning the the, the championship um, uh, in Spain and we had uh, uh, Victor Alexander that played with the Warriors for for a while and uh, Elmer Bennett uh, was a tremendous European player he had a few cups of coffee in the NBA um, but yeah that that was uh, amazing those three guys to to see where they were and, and then what they did, uh, you know, when they went over to the NBA was, was just, you know, fun to watch them. All right. Last thing, Chris, cause I got to get your thoughts on this with all that you've accomplished and as, 
uh, terrific a point guard as you were. When you see that position now at this level with the likes of Steph Curry and James Harden, I mean, what, what, what do you think goes, what goes through your mind when you see what, what is asked of the point guard position now? You know, fortunate for me, I was the backup point guard. So a lot of times I matched up against the the backup point guard. (laughs) Having to chase those guys. I mean, what, what those guys do night in and night out is just amazing. And, you know, every time I watch a guy like Curry, it's like, I keep saying, is he that good? Can, can he do that again? Um, you know, it's amazing. And, and again, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, th- these guards are big and strong and, um, you know, they're, they're, there's not a weakness. You know, I remember playing against Mark Price and, you know, I, I, I don't think Maddie could get me out fast enough because a lot of <laughs> you would pick your poison. You say, okay, this guy's not a great shooter and I'll, I'll give him a step or, this, this guy is, is uh, you know, wanting to do this. But, you know, a guy like Mark Price back in the day, it didn't matter if you were up on him, he was going to go around you. If you were behind, you know, he's going to knock it down. But every player now is just so talented. It's amazing, you know, the progression over the years of, um, you know, that point guard position. is It's different. You know, you had point guards back years ago that, that really were what they call playmakers, uh, nowadays, a point guard position is is a scorer, yeah. and uh, you know so that has changed uh, dramatically. What's so the maddest, what's, your, what's the maddest Jeff ever got at you when you didn't give him the ball in the right spot? Yeah, like Jeff, right Jeff the, wanted the ball. I will tell you that. <laughs> very, very into his shot. And, uh, you know, like, like he said, when he was picking and popping, if he was open, he he certainly would. Uh, hey, you know, you missed me that time, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, that's I, great. In all seriousness. Jeff and Scott and those guys, you know, they, they, you know, you get to certain teams and, and you're on your own. And, and Jeff, the reason I lived in Winter Park was because Jeff and Dee they were so helpful. And, um, you know, I was so fortunate. And a lot of that is why I, I still, still really embrace the magic because the experience, mm-hmm. um, not only with the fans, but, but with the, the team and, um, you know, was really special. And, and you don't get that, you know, every team you get to, um, you know, doesn't welcome you and help you and, and mentor you. Um, and I was very fortunate to have, have some veterans that, that really did a wonderful job. You're, you'll Chris never Johnson. be forgotten either, Chris. Congratulations yeah. on, your, on your career, basketball exactly. and business. Hey, real quick, I just want to get your take on this. Dante interviewed Jerry Reynolds at our last game. And, and Ice kind of referred to David and I as a couple of old pieces of furniture that are still around the magic. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't kind of refer to it. He, he said oh, yes. okay, like two pieces of furniture. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on that, Chris? You know, I know uh, you said earlier that I, you weren't, you weren't lucky enough to be in one place all the time. And I was like, I always thought that was a positive, And now I'm thinking I'm just like an old recliner. But are you asking Chris, what type of furniture you are? Like, are you a yeah, couch? Are you a table? Right. What are we I'm the, old sofa that's losing the stuffing and the pillows are falling apart and the dog sleeps on it to me george they're they're like french antiques you know there you like go they, they just oh. you know, but they, they they age but they get better with age nice oh, there we go there we go like your business card, that's, better, that's better than the way i preached it last night <laughs> that doesn't surprise me but I called him a couple of rocking chairs myself, so I apologize for that. <laughs> Chris, this has been a blast. I, I, we'd love to see you in Raleigh. And please, anytime you come down to Central Florida, come be our guest. Spend some time with us. We'd love to have you back. I'd love it. I, I appreciate you all having me on. This has been really, really fun.
This has been awesome. And we got some new stories, fellas. This is yes, sir. fantastic. <laughs> I thought that was great. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yep, Special we'll thanks to you. Chris Cortiani. That'll do it for Magic Pod Squad. We'll see you next time.